Our reading is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. I wonder what it is in life that brings you a sense of fulfilness, a sense of completion. I wonder what really matters to you in life. When things are tough, Suddenly we get a new perspective on life, don't we? The things that we thought matter don't seem to matter nearly as much when you're going through a difficult time. I've been journeying with a friend who has been ill over the last few weeks, had a a difficult diagnosis. It's actually turned out to be better than it might have been. But when you get difficult news of your health, Your whole world is turned upside down. And what truly matters is vivid, isn't it? Health is important. Love, family, a sense of peace, a sense of being held by those around you. At that moment, nothing else matters, does it? In those moments when we're really at our most vulnerable We have a clarity of what is valuable in life. But why is it when we move out of that time and life becomes easy, life becomes comfortable again, we run the risk of losing sight of where our treasure truly is. This is what this passage is talking about, is asking us the question, where is your treasure? Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I grew up with, um, well, we have envelopes here that we can give our um, giving to church in an envelope, and I grew up as a child with those, and that verse was on it, where your treasure is, your heart is also. Possibly slightly taking it out of context and using it as a, as a verse to promote giving. But there's something much deeper in, in what Jesus is saying. We're travelling through a, a short series about what it means to, have, uh, to live transformed lives. We've looked at transformed church, and we're spending these weeks leading up to the summer, just another couple of weeks, about thinking what transformed lives look like. Because God promises that he transforms us. And how do we know what that transformation looks like? One place to look is the Sermon on the Mount. And there's some really challenging passages. We've looked at passages before, and it's easy to pick out the really positive ones, and often to avoid the ones that are challenging and difficult. So the week before I went on holiday, we looked at at relationships and marriage. 
something I said we don't often talk about in church. And today it's another thorny issue, money. The things you don't talk about at dinner parties. But actually Jesus is saying some profound truths here. He is not telling us about the evils of money. He's talking to us about our priorities, our values, and where we find that sense of joy and fullness and being who we truly are. And money is a distraction, or can be, as some of the other issues in the Sermon on the Mount. So it's not about saying that money is evil. It's talking about our hearts, our priorities, our motives, and what we put in life as things of value. We might think, reading this, that Jesus is saying, you shouldn't worry about anything on earth because everything is being stored up in heaven. And we read this, with our understanding of heaven. And we think of heaven as something future, something that's way up in the sky that we're not quite sure what it looks like, but it's not for now, it's it's for later. And we might think that actually we need to be very puritanical while we live on earth, because nothing on earth is of value, and we're waiting for our reward in heaven. And we use that phrase, don't we? Someone does a kind deed and you say, oh, you've got your reward in heaven. We might not be paying you just now, but your reward's in heaven. We think of that as something future. But we have to remember that Jesus is talking to people in his time. So we need to understand how they were hearing what Jesus was saying. And to the Jews of Jesus' time, heaven wasn't a future destiny. Heaven was about the presence of God. Heaven was where God dwelt, in the present and in the eternal. And Jesus coming to earth brought something of that experience of heaven, of God's dwelling. Jesus is God, so God is now dwelling on earth. So there is something now of heaven on earth. And so the other phrase that we see throughout the Gospels is the kingdom of God. And again, the kingdom of God isn't a future event, isn't a future place. It is now. So Jesus is saying, how are you living now? Not what's going to happen after you die. But how are you living now? Because the whole of Jesus' teaching and ministry is saying, you can know something of the kingdom of God now in your life. The joy is we don't need to wait for heaven to know God's presence with us. We are living knowing that God is with us and we can experience the values and the joys of heaven now because God is with us now. So how we choose to spend our lives now is important. It's important because it's about how we experience God how we experience the truth of his kingdom and how that shines through us to the world around us. God wants to be known to us and to all. And if we are living close to God, that affects the choices we make, the values we have, and that can impact on those around us. We have the great fortune of being able to live by a different set of values to the world around us. And that should release us 
and free us. Because we live by the values of the kingdom. We are not judged by success, by what we have, by what we look like, by our position in the, in the company, by what car we drive. We are God's precious children. And that is the values by which we can live. And so we can stand against what society is telling us. And the sadness is, if you do not know God in your life, you are searching for value and for meaning. And because you don't know God, you look for it in the wrong places. So it's not that people are deliberately trying to, you know, thwart us. It's that people don't know. And the sadness is that we do know. We do know what it means to be loved by God and to be valued by him. And the people around us who we can sometimes be quite critical of, we should grieve for them. Because actually they haven't sensed that. They're looking in the wrong places for value, for meaning, for for fulfillment, for a sense of completion. We know Jesus and that is where we find the depths of who we truly are. And yet we live in this world and Jesus is very aware of that as he speaks to his friends gathered around him. We live in a world, we may not be of the world, we have all these phrases, don't we, but do we truly actually explore what they mean? We're in the world but not of it. That makes it very uncomfortable. It's not a pat phrase, it's a challenge. You're in the world but not of it. We're living in this world with a different set of values. But that doesn't always come easily because things are going on around us and we are human and we have our own desires. We have our own feelings and temptation is there. And all Jesus is doing is saying, look, watch, be careful. Be aware because once you're aware and alert, you can do something more about it. He said, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon in the old language. And mammon, with a capital letter, is like a god. When money becomes a god, it is taking the place of God. And that is what Jesus is saying. You will not find completion and fulfillment in these other things. You will only find it in God. But we live in a world full of temptation. So what can we do about it? In this passage, there are two organs referred to, the heart and the eye. And in the heart, we have our desires. What we really want goes on. That goes on within our heart. And the temptation can go on with our eyes. So we have to guard both. If we start with the heart, it's good sometimes to be really honest with ourselves to search our hearts and to seek where our desires truly are. And it's not just what would I like or what would I want, but where am I placing value? And I know that I struggle with this for issues about who I am. So it's not that I lie awake thinking, oh, I'd really like to have this, this, this and this. It's that there's something going on within me about who I am, about my very being, 
that I think will be made better by what I have. So if I'm feeling rough, if I'm feeling a bit sorry for myself, I think that going shopping is going to make me feel a whole lot better. And I justify it in my head. Oh, you deserve it. You've had a really rough week. It's your day off. Your husband's still working. What are you going to do? Guildford High Street. And it's so tantalizing, isn't it? And because I'm feeling bad about myself, I'm looking for something to make me feel better. This isn't about wanting that, whatever it is. This is about something that's much deeper. This is about who I am. And actually buying another jumper isn't going to change who I am or how I feel about myself. But in the moment, that is the message that takes place. Maybe I want to fit in a little bit more. Maybe I'm in a group of friends or a, a group of colleagues at work and there's a sense in which everybody else is doing things. If you've had children, they come home and say, everybody's doing this, Mum. You explore it and actually it's not everybody, it's one person. But you feel that everybody is having five holidays a year. Everybody is buying the latest car and you're the only one who isn't. And what is going on is the feeling of, I don't fit in. I don't feel I belong. And something, a thing, that's money, isn't it? It's things, will make me feel better about myself. We're not supposed to fit in. That's the challenge of life on earth as a Christian. It's meant to be uncomfortable. And we're not supposed to fit in. So we need to be honest about what's actually going on in our hearts. Where do I place my sense of, of value and success? Is it in my exam results? Is it in the job I have? All of these questions are really difficult because they cut to the very core of who we are. But Jesus is saying you do not need to live by these values. You live by my values. You are loved and cherished. You are my child. I live within you. And together we encounter God the Father. What more could we want? And yet what more does my heart say I want? When things are tough, absolutely. Nothing else matters at all. But when life is just chugging along quite normally, the glitter of the world around me is very, very appealing. So that's where we need to think about our eyes. We need to be honest about our heart. But we need to think about our eyes. What's not helpful? It might be not helpful for me on a Friday to visit Guildford High Street. It might be not helpful to buy the latest car magazine, to watch the latest house building programme, if you watch Grand Designs, again, you get the impression that everybody is living in these wonderful houses and my goodness me, what have I got? What is going on when we are looking at the things around us? What is going on as we look and see? These things in themselves are not wrong. If you watch DIY SOS, which I sometimes do and weep my way through it, it's a trashy programme, my husband doesn't watch it, so I don't watch it very often. But it is about house building. But actually it's about house building for a reason. It's about house building to allow someone to live a life that they haven't been able to live. And what comes through that programme is far more about the story of the person 
and how they have a freedom in what has been happening. Money is good. Jesus isn't saying it's bad. Money is good. It's only bad when we're using it for the wrong things. I think Surrey is a really hard place to live. I've lived in many parts of the UK. Surrey is a really difficult place to live with this particular value. It's not 100% the case, but we live in a very affluent, successful area. The problem is, it's not actually the whole story. And deprivation is hidden in Surrey and is harder in Surrey because there is so much affluence. When I go up to visit family in Scotland, it reminds me that what we have here is a bubble in the UK, let alone the world. And it's really good for me to to drive around some of the streets in the town where my mum lives, to go through parts of Edinburgh, and realise that not everybody is living like folk are here. If I'm feeling hard done to in Surrey, I'm rich in comparison. And if I go to Uganda, I'm one of the richest people in the world. There is a reality of recognising where we are. I love Surrey. I love being here. But I think it's a place where we need to be very alert to the challenges around us. And you probably think I'm being very critical, very judgmental, but I want to be real. Because I think this passage is a difficult passage for us here. Because of where we live. I see a lot of people who are looking in the wrong places for fulfilment and have access to it, but can often be trapped. When we have much, we have great choice. Choice is a really good thing. But people can be trapped by choice. Where am I going to send my child to school? The hours and hours of angst that many parents at our school, our local school, have over that. We've just had our first year six, and we've gone through that whole process of parents looking at secondary schools. And the number, I mean, it's a slightly contentious issue here, and I'm looking at it from one side, but there have been an awful lot of days taken out of, um, of the children being taken to visit schools. And so that has an impact on the school. So that's how it came up at governor's meeting. Now, of course, you need to go and visit schools when you're looking at schools. So there's not an easy answer in that. But many of our children in year six have lost quite a number of days at school, visiting secondary schools. Now, in itself, you know, don't hear me correctly, that's not a, a bad thing, but it's symptomatic of the issues faced with choice. When I grew up, you went to the local school. You had an induction day and that was it. Now people have choice. They have choice in the state sector, they have choice in the independent sector. Choice is really good, but it can trap people and cause an awful lot of angst. Money is good, but it can have a negative impact. I just want us to be aware of some of the things that are going on. Money affects the way that we spend our time and our, where our energies go. And there's a reality where we live that many families have a very manic, 
hectic lifestyle. There are many fathers who, maybe mothers too, who are often not at home much during the week. That is the reality of some of the the working lifestyles that we face around here. The challenge to how we live as community in this place if people are involved in so many different things. What does it mean to be a church community, caring for one another, loving for one another, when I know that diaries are incredibly full? Booking a dinner party, having friends round for supper. Often you have to book six to eight weeks in advance. That's a reality. I'm not saying it's wrong. It's a reality of where we live. And so the challenges to who we are as Christians and the values we want to hold are influenced by some of these things. Jesus is saying not that money is wrong. And I think the church has got this wrong in the past. We've made people feel that we shouldn't have money. What Jesus is saying is be careful. Use what you have well and be responsible. Because money used well is good. And we have a responsibility to think about that. To think about how much we give away as well as how much we spend. To think about are we using some of this to replace what Jesus should be doing in our life? Am I actually not feeling so close to Jesus because there's too many other things in the way? I've used this image before, but there's a sense in which if we come with open hands, when we have nothing, when we're in that terrible, horrendous situation and have nothing, we come with empty hands and we encounter God in an amazing way. But once we start filling our hands up with things again, whatever those things might be, it's harder for God to have space within our lives. This is quite a hard one. This term, I didn't want to avoid some of the difficult topics. Because I think as a church, if we can't talk about the difficult topics, we're actually going to really struggle. And I do believe this is a reality for us, where we live. And so I want us to remember that it's Jesus who gives us the value. That is the most freeing thing in the world. I am a beloved child of God the Father. Nothing else in life matters. But I have the luxury and the joy of living in a place that is good. Can I make the most of that? Can I live in it so that I'm not being trapped by some of the negative aspects of it? Can I limit some of the temptations? Can I be honest about when I'm doing that? And can I come back before God on my knees and say, without you, Father, I am nothing. I am nothing without you. Come and fill me afresh. Because only you matter. Amen.